Hello and welcome to episode 47 of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Michael Hyam. What up? And Jeff Bacalar. How you doing? What's going on, you guys? Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. We actually, uh, we teased it last week and a lot of people in our Discord or a couple people in our Discord were like, excited they were like oh jeff backlar is coming on I can't just two that's, that's just two <laughs> yeah just two. i was two yeah. just the was, two all right i'll take I what three, i can get yeah. no, and michael michael was one of them <laughs> hey <laughs> oh man you're excited I miss, I, yeah i miss you jeff uh i see you once every year every cnet um party at ces is our time to gather yeah i'm oh, starting to realize we don't see each other sober ever uh well i see you on the stage and then i probably like give you a nod or dap you up and then like i said we never see each other oh, okay. so yeah. except well actually no this is a podcast where we drink alcohol so yeah never mind one day we'll get to know each other as, as sober people but I don't now's so. not the time for that no. drink responsibly mm. yes absolutely um anyway we start this show off with well sometimes we start this show off with the chris from dayton ohio segment where we basically introduce our guests. So the story behind this, which I've said many times, and I'm sure our listeners are tired of it, is that when we started this podcast, we did a couple episodes and someone wrote in and was like, I don't know who the hell any of you are. (laughs) Could you tell us a bit about who you are, what kind of games you play, what you do, um, what you like to do, doesn't even have to be games, hobbies, whatever you'd like, honestly. Wait, 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 before you begin, Jeff, sorry. There's a little theme song that goes with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. I would ooh. really like to sing it for you. Ooh, ooh. Ba ba da ba Chris. That's our guy. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've said it before, but I don't even think Chris listens to this podcast anymore. That's fine. <laughs> Damn. Did. Little did he know he started a revolution. Uh, prove me wrong. If, if you're still listening, uh, Chris, prove we miss me wrong. You. <laughs> so how, how deep do you want me to go? Start from the beginning. Where where were you born? What was your what was the name about, of your parents? Tell us about Jersey. Tell us about the the swamps of Jersey. Whoa 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 whoa! I'm just the swamps. The swamp goblins of Jersey. Oh, the swamp goblins. Of course, yeah, yeah I can tell you all that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, my name is Jeff Bacalar. I'm an editor at large for CNET.com, which uh, does a lot of tech and industry news and i've been there for a very very long time a very long time tell us how long just starting to face my own mortality right now can i can i say that it's in double digits years you can michael you'd be very correct in saying that it's many double digit years but look what are you gonna do right you love where you work so you stay there forever if you can right that's sure Sure. Um, I started off working there uh, doing like, man, I was doing uh, like home theater stuff and uh, I moved around and began covering video games like 10 years ago. And I've been doing that ever since. Um, and then uh, I started a podcast there a while back that ended. Uh, and then I switched into basically only doing video like uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera. Uh, strategy stuff like that. Uh, I, I co-host uh, a podcast on Giant Bomb called the the Giant Peacecast, 
And yeah, that's sort of my deal. When I when I tell people I, I, my my title's editor large, it's just so it's it's dubious. Like like, what does that even mean? I don't yeah. even know what it means. Makes you sound like an outlaw. Like it makes you sound cool. I like that description. Vigilante editor out here. Sure, sure. Let's go with that. Uh, but what it really means is I just have my fingers in a lot of different uh, pies. That's the one. Is that, is, yeah. Can you put your fingers in like? Is that okay? Can you give a bowling ball? <laughs> not to me, it's not. Why you yeah. like pie? No, I don't want. I don't want motherfuckers touching all my damn pies. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like that analogy makes no sense on its yeah, face. Like, where are you? Just like sticking each one of your fingers into a <laughs> pie. Relax. What is that? Why? What kind of situation are you in? Anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing for the for uh, a little over a decade. And uh, no, I, I all kidding aside, I, I love to rag on CNET for some reason, but it's probably bad. But uh, I just absolutely love the vast majority of the people that I work with. So that's uh, that's a great thing. And I love uh, and I love Gamespot and I love Giant Bomb and I love all the other brands. There yes. you go. I said it. I said it. <laughs> what about ambassador? Video games? ambassador? Ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what about your gaming, your gaming life? Tell us about pinball. Oh my gosh! So I've always been a gigantic uh, pinball um, enthusiast, and over the last two years, I've I've really dove in to the deep end, head first, in a way that some would call crazy. But um, I, you know, I, I I bought a house finally. I moved out of the city, and uh, I started a family. And we have a we have enough room that I could get a couple you know, pinball machines, and I love pinball a lot. And I realize that that's a tough sell for a lot of people, and that's fine. But you know, up until this lockdown, uh, our retro arcade culture was a very big thing. I still believe it to be that, especially you know where where I uh, wherever I travel, I always find these like pop not pop up, but they're like pinball bars, arcade bars. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've been yeah. to places like that. And uh, I, I love that scene. I just love being around that. And um, now I'm starting my own personal pinball collection. I'm starting to stream it on Twitch every now and then. That's been a lot of fun uh, ever since we've been, you know, sort of uh, held up in here. And um, yeah, I'm super, I'm super into that. In terms of like regular games, I love all video games. I like, I'll try anything once. There's nothing I won't play or at least give a shot. Um, I finished. Uh, I just finished Last of Us Two for that review a couple of weeks ago, so I'm done with games for the year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you thought? Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's. I don't really like. I don't really have. You know, I tried to like narrow it down. Like, what is my like specific sort of track of like taste and stuff like that? And I don't really think I have it. Like, you know, when I was a more like nascent sort of uh, player, I would I would like stay away from RPGs for some reason, just because I was probably you know, big idiot, but, um, but yeah, there's nothing I won't try. I love, I love weird stuff. If it's super weird, I'm probably going to like it, even if it's a bad game. So I saw your, uh, your tweet with your kid, uh, your son talking over bug snacks. And that was, that was very adorable, (laughs) but that, that is definitely a weird game. I'm sure that's something. uh... Oh my God. I, it was funny because we, uh, I just been messing around with that on Twitter. Uh, We did a couple before that we did it for the, um, because my son is like, he's gotten into video games, obviously. I mean, 
this was not a uh, this was not a tough sell for him. <laughs> and um, I uh, I remember seeing that Unreal Five like trailer demo thing they did, and I showed my son it. And he just started like losing his, he's like, what is this? Where are <laughs> like, he's like, is this downloading? Can we play this? Aww. And I was like, no, you idiot. Uh, it's, <laughs> like, it's not even a game, little kid. It's, uh, it's just this demo, but he started talking. So I just literally slid this microphone in front of his face, made him watch it like five times and then just like put it, put together the best uh, hits <laughs> of what he said. And that's, you know, what we did with Mario, uh, Paper Mario and, um, and the Bugs next thing. And it was very cool to see the, uh, the developers like appreciate that. I thought that was awesome. I thought it was, yeah, a, it was uh, a fun thing for it sure. It was the, the, the origins of uh, hot dog fingers. That's it. I mean, yeah. uh, I, it's funny, like, so he said that, and my, my wife was here too watching, and we were laughing so hard. <laughs> like, if you listen with headphones real close, the audio just, like, jump, falls off a cliff right after that because it's just her and I losing our minds. <laughs> but, uh, it was a good time. I'm glad people dug it. So uh, out of curiosity, just to bring it back a little, you mentioned you've been streaming pinball. I just, yeah. out of curiosity, like, what what goes into that? Do you just set up a camera in your pinball area, I guess? and yeah, I mean, yeah. these regular streamers, they don't know how good they have it. Us pinball streamers. <laughs> I was going to say, because that seems way more work than installing oh, Streamlabs. You need at least a two-cam setup, right? It is absolutely way harder. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just, you know, my wife's in production. Over the years, we've collected many, many cameras and, and sort of miscellaneous, like, you know, stuff around the house, tripods, you know, just like old GoPros that like, what the hell are you going to use a GoPro two for like ever again? Right. Um, so there's this dude who streams called dead flip, who I, I kind of became friendly with, uh, over the, over the last like year or so I met up with him at, at CES and I've been following like a lot of the stuff that he's been doing. And he, as far as I understand it, has sort of like paved the way for, for how pinball streaming, has sort of come up and I really just took a lot of advice from him and it, it yeah, I have like four cameras all going at once. Um, I mean, you know, and, you, and obviously, you know, like, look, a lot of it is self, you know, it's very intuitive and you can kind of figure out like, you know, what you need to do. But, um, you know, OBS is an amazing piece of software and uh, a lot of trial and error and, you know, just like getting like, you know, cause pinball is like this real life kind of you know analog kinetic thing and you know you want to have like 60 frames per second on the camera using to show that play field so like getting it all right and all the it takes forever to set it up and i have a couple tables in my house and i was like i was like man i don't even want to switch locations because just having to do that is such a huge pain in the ass it takes like hours to set it all up but I'm happy to do it. It's so much fun. And I feel like not a lot of people are doing it. So uh, it was a really like, no, you know, kind of no brainer for me to introduce people into a thing that I, uh, that I love so much. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, I think that kind of stuff is the most interesting on Twitch too. Like everyone streams games at this point. Right. But whenever you see something like pinball or I don't know, just some of the weirder games or ideas, that stuff always is so much more interesting at least to me but what do i know no like i the first I, like you know it, it it was always like a thing where i was like man i wish people could like watch people play pinball and 
I'm like, oh, you just, I, I invented this in my head, but I'm like, of course someone is doing this. Of course people are doing this. So it was definitely like very uh, gratifying to see not just people and many people are doing it, but like the community and, and, and seeing how cool everyone, you know, inside that is. And it's been a, a really awesome experience for sure. So, yeah. That's great. Should we move on to what we've been playing or doing? It looks like we all we all got games here. Um, yeah, we got some games, bro. We got some games. <laughs> uh, I figure I'll go last because it's, it's you, the you got one. the big one. Yep, it's the big one. Um, but Kelly, do you wanna do you wanna start us off here? Sure. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I have been um, playing the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC Isle of Armor, um, and. You know, I've had much more time since last week to actually um, like dig into it because it came out the day that we recorded last week. Um, so there's just like some cool quality of life things, and you know me, I'm really I get really focused on the quality of life stuff with Pokemon, but it really does improve the quality of my life. So um, the cool. first <laughs> one is you can find so many more items on the Isle of Armor, it's so generous. I don't know if you've noticed this, Jake, but you can get um, mints, like nature changing mints, like just find them on the ground. And you can find the um, feathers that are like, they give you one EV, um, which is really good for fine tuning and EV spread when you're training a Pokemon. <laughs> I know that probably sounds like gibberish to some people, um, <laughs> but uh, you can find them pretty liberally throughout the map. So, um, oh, and the one thing, I didn't tell you this yet, Jake, but, I, I like didn't believe it happened. I found a flame orb on the ground. Oh, really? And I was like, I spent so much time yeah, for grinding background. for that freaking flame orb. Yeah. How many times did you do the Elite Four? Probably, or not the Elite Four, I, the Pokemon League. Like, I don't know, at I least 200 times. I did it enough times to completely hit the uh, money ceiling. I hit the money ceiling and I couldn't earn any more money. Uh, that's how many times I did those battles. Um, for a flame orb, I don't, I, I, I never got it from that. I had to trade with somebody. I just, I, it, it was like the, um, that tweet that was like, I've been reporting on the story for years and he just tweeted it out. That's how I felt <laughs> picking up the flame orb. I, I literally, I didn't believe it happened. So I hit the um, like 30 second recording thing on my switch to like check the footage and see if it was a flame orb. So anyway, that stuff is really cool. Um, I've been very grateful. There is a person you can talk to who will clear your Pokemon's EVs, um, which is really great because you can do that with berries, but they're really, they were hard to get and you had to kind of farm specific trees. And I would do that every single day, farm those same trees. And I would only have enough berries like if I made a couple mistakes, EV training a Pokemon. So being able to pay somebody in the game to do that for you is awesome. Um, and there's this like little like diglet kind of, it's not a mini game, it's more of like a side activity where you can find 150 diglet across the map. And I've been finding that really fun actually because they're like it's a lowland diglet so they have these like three little hairs that stick up <gasps> out of the ground and they're really cute and you you click on them and they come up and they're like ah oh, they do some diglet shit and then you um <laughs> you get you get diglet pokemon <laughs> you get pokemon as a reward and one of them is a regular slowpoke not a galarian slowpoke that has a king's rock which is used to evolve slowpoke so um 
to get a slow king. And so that's you, a really good reward. Did you get the vending machines that sell all those yeah, I did. protein for, or the, the nutrients for half price? Because I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, there's a lot of little things like that that I think kind of, they're the final tweaks that I that make a lot of the competitive stuff really accessible. And those final things would be items like the flame orb items, like uh, protein, iron, calcium, any like EV related stuff um, that's all present here. And there, I think it's part of the update that was released along with the DLC. I don't know if it's part of the DLC, but they upgraded the um, stat screen within the Pokemon boxes. So when you're scrolling and you're trying to look at a Pokemon's IVs on the side, it also displays their ability in nature, which was super annoying. You'd have to click between both screens just to see like, okay, this Pokemon has perfect stats, but it doesn't have the right everything else. Um, so they they made the, the UI make more sense. And just little, like I appreciate little things like that. I think on a, a story front, it's like pretty slim. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for the Crown Tundra DLC because I think that's gonna add like more, for what we've seen so far, it seems to have more like puzzle elements from old Pokemon games that have kind of gone missing in, in recent generations. Um, the dungeon exploration really intrigues me, um, but I've really liked Isle of Armor so far. It's nice to just have more Pokemon to collect. Uh, I kind of forgot how much I, do enjoy that aspect of Pokemon, even though I'm so deeply invested in competitive Pokemon. I the simple things do delight me. So, oh, and the outfits are so good. The outfits are great. Fashion is the real outfits. <laughs> well, you can dress like Marty. You got like the cute little butt. It's better for girls, probably. Like the <laughs> girl outfits are always going to be cuter. But the I like the dojo uniform. It made me want to go back to martial arts. The music. Oh my god, I didn't talk about the music. It is hard to explain. It's a cool remix of that one vaguely racist tune. The like that tune. So when I first heard it, I was like, hmm, I don't know about that one. But then I was like, well, Japanese people made the music. I guess it's like really not my place okay. to say whether it's bad. But it's like, I'll, it's I'll very good it though. Off. It's so you catchy. You gotta hear it, Michael. It's okay. so catchy. All right, all right. So that's my quick take. You're gonna, I'll have a review up very soon. It was a really harrowing weekend for me. Very hectic, lots going on. Um, so I'm a little behind, but it'll probably be up by the time this podcast goes up unless I like die. So yeah. Shit. So RIP. <laughs> um, I imagine Michael, Jeff, you guys probably don't have a whole lot to add on Pokemon, but you know, the floor is open. It's good. It's good, it's good <laughs> to hear. It's good to hear like Callie's got more Pokemon to play. I know that, I know that shit makes you happy and it makes a lot yeah. of other people happy. So well, I'm happy to hear that, uh, it is bringing you joy in this uh these trying times and that's really important for oh, sure <laughs> i echo all of that without a doubt i facts you know those that's it i have nothing else to add there it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. that's how i feel about you and and p4g on pc <sighs> oh good transition <laughs> Ooh. oh boy i got some shit to get off my chest i so if the floor is Are you mine, okay uh I, I mean you know it's a that's a fair question uh, yeah right now and like the games that i've been playing have been kind of a reflection of that in many ways so uh persona 4 golden had come out since the last time i've been on the podcast i've been playing it because persona 4 golden was my favorite game of all time 
uh, up until I played, finished, and reviewed Persona 5 Royal. So it's Ooh. 1 and 2, or 1A and 1B, I would say. It's just my favorite games of all time. But I am playing, replaying P4G since it came out on PC. It is wild to have this game on not a Vita or PSTV. Uh, it's an emotional experience. It's like reliving those memories from like a couple years ago, three years ago when I played it. <laughs> um, but that game means, means so much to me. Uh, just like seeing, being back in Inaba, where it takes place and being with those characters again is, it's like a, it's like, it's like a cozy blanket for me. Uh, and sh- it, the origins of Chie Satsunaka, man, that's, that's my girl, no matter what, 100. And I, I tweeted this out, but my love for Chie has nothing to do with like that waifu shit uh, that everyone like best girl or whatever. Like I, I'm, I engage in those discussions, but the thing about Chie is that she's, she's who I aspire to be uh, in terms of like how much she whoops ass how much she loves her friends and uh, the fact that she's like very adorable while doing all of that. Uh, that's my girl. And um, so it's just, damn. And Aaron Fitzgerald <laughs> is my favorite voice actor of all time. She's absolutely wonderful and captures the spirit of her character so well. So P- Persona 4 Golden has been great uh, because... She, sorry, yeah. she didn't voice the original uh, Chie though, right? Yeah, you're right. There's a different um, voice actor on the on the PS2. Yeah, PS2. So it's kind of cool that like so many people were able to... I don't know, connect with her as the new GA because I feel yeah. like that could go very wrong. Yeah, that's 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 right. Uh, but yeah, she's really embodied that character because there's a million games that came out after Persona 4 with Persona 4 in it uh, and even an anime. So Aaron Fitzgerald has really uh, captured uh, Chie. So, but the thing though is I'm not that far in yet uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, but the thing that I'm keeping in mind is that when I played Persona 4 Golden in 2017, I was, you know, aware of the conversations around um, how it handles uh, LGBTQ issues. Uh, as I'm replaying it now, uh, as you get more and more into the game, those things begin to unfold and reveal themselves more and more. But having played that three years ago, it's not the, the story beats that touch on those things aren't exactly fresh in my mind. Uh, but I'm extra conscious of it now so when i get to those things i can be a lot more critical of them than i was back then and in a a way i'm kind of like i'm not scared but uh i am kind of i'm preparing myself for disappointment because of how much i've like i've held persona 4 so dear to me but now that i am i've learned so in three years i've learned so much more about like about LGBTQ issues, uh, what transphobia looks like, what transphobia sounds like when people talk about it, what homophobia actually is, uh, how that manifests in language, how how people talk to each other uh, in relation to those to those issues, and how it gets represented in media. Uh, so that's, and I think that it's important. I say this in my my ten year write up that I, wrote, I actually wrote two years ago uh, for Persona Four that we should be. Uh, no matter how much we love something, we should be critical of the things that we love, uh, especially as it relates to entertainment and media. And that's something I'm keeping in mind. And even like when I wrote that in 2018, I didn't know as much as I do now. Uh, so that's going to be an experience. Uh, but, and we'll, this is actually a question that we'll get into later, but the, the soundtrack of that game is, oh my God, it brings tears to my eyes to hear that soundtrack again. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, some real J-pop and J-rock. I mean, I, a lot of people who list, probably listen to this podcast know about Persona 4 very well. 
uh, maybe even engaged in the Persona 4 endurance run from all those years back on giantbomb.com. I know I did. So that was kind of like where that, that, that love came from, I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I've been going through it and Persona 4 has been there with me. So, uh, yeah, I am going to keep playing it because it brings me happiness, but also I need to see it through, uh, just to recontextualize what that game is with how I feel and what I know now. Uh, it's an important thing to keep in mind. Where, uh, so. where does a lot of that stuff kind of occur in the story? It, it's with like Kanji, right? Kanji yeah, yeah. and like some of Yosuke's later. Yeah, stuff. so the way I think Kanji is one of the most important characters to me because he also represents uh, a lot of uh, a lot of I see a lot of myself in him. Uh, and I when I actually tried explaining why Kanji means so much to me to somebody else and I started like fucking bursting out in tears. Uh, oh. It was fucking wild. Yeah, because like, because <laughs> the thing is like Kanji like acts hard as fuck. Like I'll beat your ass, mm-hmm. motherfucker. You, if you you try and like, uh, I don't know, terrorize my friends, or if you try and uh, like try and punk my mom out of money at her shop, I'll beat your motherfucking ass. Then that's with that a folding chair, right? With a folding chair, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's my guy. But the thing is, like, he's he's very, um, I would say, like he's uh, like emotionally like sensitive. Uh, to things but he's also like not sure of himself he loves stuffed animals he likes cute shit i'm like dog like sushi wishy in the background yeah, like, like this thing oh my gosh it's like a live stuffed animal right there <laughs> oh, it's, it's alive it's alive <laughs> it's a cat yeah sorry she's, sleepy. she's very sleepy uh, but yeah so yeah he embodies that so the, the thing is like how the game frames him as is he gay is he not gay uh is that even like what they're trying to go for uh, those are the things that I'm conscious of. And then how Yosuke talks to him, because Yosuke is a piece of shit. Uh, he's like a bro. He's supposed to be your bro. And he's cool at times, but man, that guy says some fucked up shit. Uh, and like, if I recall correctly, he kind of gets away with it. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and then with Naoto, in terms of how it frames her gender identity. Because at first when I played it, I took Naoto's story as workplace gender discrimination uh and it's actually like addressing Nauto is very complicated because ah, fuck it, it's yeah it's 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 coded in a lot of or it can full unfold in a lot of transphobic language uh depending on how you take her social link route um but also like it, it's hard it's hard because i think canonically Naoto identifies as uh, um, uh, she and her. Uh, But at first, everyone perceives Naoto as he, him. Uh, And that is kind of the story progression. And it's kind of rooted in, oh, Naoto is trying to be a detective. But in these agencies, they discriminate against women. So Naoto identifies as he, him in order to overcome that. I think that's, that's at least how I remember it. Uh, but that is a very complicated thing to communicate in a story and very easy to fuck up, especially in a game that came out in 2008. Uh, so, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I really liked what you said about like being critical of things we love. I think it's also interesting to think about the context when it was released, not in a way to excuse it, but in how something might have been meaningful to you back then mm-hmm. and how you've grown since. So an example, talking about like, 
how somebody is perceived as the anime or on high school host club. I know a lot of people who really love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars a character who is basically non-binary. Um, and it came out, I think in 2006. Um, and, you know, it's not like, if you look at it, it's kind of problematic because it's about like, okay, here's a, a character who's assigned female at birth, who doesn't really, is like, I don't care about gender at all, then gets recruited by this host club and has to act like a boy in order to like pay back a debt and stuff. It's some anime bullshit, but like, I think at the time, like I know a lot of people who really loved Haruhi, the main character, because having like a a character that was like, I have no connection to my gender whatsoever, it's just something you didn't see but at the yeah. same time that show includes like the, the the english subtitled version at least includes like the t-slur and like really problematic things so it's watching it now is a very different experience than yeah. it was watching it in 2006 um and i just find that like uh it, it's really it's cool when you're going back to something you love to be able to reflect on it's not about like oh i hate the thing i loved now it's kind of about like oh how far i've come from what I was when I first encountered this thing. So I really liked what you said about that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's as much as I uh, have to say, but uh, one thing I, I don't want to use it as an excuse to be like, Oh, it came out in 2008. Uh, but it definitely is. That is something that you need. That is important to keep in mind when we are critiquing things that are, that are older, like it, it's almost a, and I almost feel like it's hand wavy to say that, oh, but it came out in 2008. Yeah. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's like in 2008 to have a JRPG that went for it, mm-hmm. like this game went for it. And looking back now, it failed on many levels, but in a way it's like, but they went for it. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's a, mean. that's a thing I'm yeah. wrestling with. Yeah. It's like not about excusing it. It's just about like, just really there's a lot of nuance to explore there yeah definitely uh but uh if want to close the book on p4g for now uh there's another older i'm look i'm playing old games man good Uh, i think uh, i'll try and get through this one quickly uh but deus x the original that came out in 2000 is a fucking wild game to play in the year of our lord 2020 (laughs) holy shit because uh if y'all don't like jeff you're old you probably played the original deus x wow (laughs) i'm actually i'm the second oldest one on this podcast so i (laughs) jeff and i are the old ones and i played the original deus x yeah, uh, I had already graduated. I was out of college for 15 years when that game came out. That's wild, man. And, you look uh, you look good for 60, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I played that in college. Uh, if that yeah, I, I, still dates me, but yeah. Yeah, I played that in like sixth grade. But anyway. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what, what year are we talking about here? 2000. 2000? <laughs> I just started college in 2000. No, did Damn. I? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Oof. I, gra- I graduated high school in 2000. I was seven. <laughs> oh. Look, it's cool. Look, I've come to accept that just like time's a flat circle, you know, like whatever. Yeah, time is <laughs> meaningless. Meaningless. Oh, you know? Oh my God. But Until yeah. I'm 40. When I'm 40, then you guys don't have to talk to me anymore. Okay. That's <laughs> right. We had, we had, we had Khalif Adams on here. That fool's 41. 
but he, yeah and he looked that's good for 41 yeah so yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> that's, i can't yeah yeah. See, yeah, we we see we we rock with old people. It's all good. Oh God, just don't say old. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack. I love. No, it's you. fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but Deus Ex is is fucking wild. Let, let me just try and if if y'all don't know the original Deus Ex, so there's a pandemic that hits the United States of America. Uh, there's people are dying in the streets because of a plague. Uh, there's a supposedly a cure that the government has uh, that has created and is actually in control of. And you play as a special agent cop who is supposed to uh, not um, crack down on NSF terrorists, which is like a rogue militia within the United States that have that are perceived as like anarchists or like hardcore uh, like left wing extremists. Um, and as the story progresses, I mean, spoilers for a 20 year old game, but uh, at a point, like your brother is also a um, also a special a special agent from UNACO. Uh, that's the organization that you're working for, like top level fucking law, law enforcement type shit. Uh, and then uh, and like it's, it's, it's so it's a it's my first introduction to cyberpunk, too, because it's it's rooted in so it was a lot of people's introduction to cyberpunk, especially in the video game form. It's a first person immersive sim and if you track its history warren specter harvey smith who's now arcane doing dishonored and uh, prey and things like that and system shock before that so it, that's it was kind of the pinnacle of that lineage in, in many ways uh, but yeah that game is wild to play because it's rooted in how a pandemic is leveraged by the rich and powerful uh to oppress people and stay in power but it's also about how capitalistic systems are in place to uh not only suppress people but it's the like body augmentations are kind of supposed to be this great equalizer mm. but it's really not um so it touches on a lot of different topics of course a 20 year old game it isn't exactly nuanced but replaying it they hit they hit some themes pretty fucking hard like there are lines of dialogue like it, it's it's almost comedic uh now playing it because the voice acting is like it's so bad it's good but some of the lines on there are like, oh shit! Like they they said they said some shit. Like especially in the first mission when you meet up with like the terrorist leader, you don't you can kill him, but the best way to go about it is to talk to him, and he'll tell you like, yo, he sounds like a conspiracy theorist at first, but then he's like, yo, okay, then this year taxes did had this effect, and then now rich people don't pay as many taxes, and then now it's all leveraged. It's like thrust down on the downtrodden, the people who face the consequences of an extremely capitalistic system that's exploited. It's fucking wild. And uh, yeah, I'm going through that game very conscious of that as well. Uh, not so much in like, oh, I'm trying to critique it in a way, but I'm trying to see like, not, I don't want to say how far it's come because capitalism and oppression are as old as time. <laughs> it's just that in video game form, this is what we had in that year. And it still resonates in many ways. And in light of Cyberpunk 2077, I'm very conscious of that as I'm seeing that game unfold as well. Because not to say that like, oh, it needs to live up to Deus Ex, the original. But if Deus Ex touched on those themes in sometimes quite nuanced ways, especially in how it frames capitalism and how it shows police brutality as a mechanism to enforce capitalism uh, by the rich and powerful, I expect Cyberpunk 27 to go fucking ham on that shit. 
Otherwise, Be- I'll be mad disappointed. Getting, right? It feels like that's what we're set up for, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I know that, that game's that, been done for a little bit, but like. Yeah. But I mean, and also, I, yeah, that's the was, root of. No, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I feel like you're. <laughs> I feel like you're playing a game of like going through the the archives of like dystopian sci-fi like video <laughs> yeah. games and you could start to play this game where it's like oh is this worse than our reality right now oh, <laughs> or is this or, our, or, or, or are we are we still okay like <laughs> i feel like i do that with film a lot where uh-huh. like now like the next in the queue is like is children of men actually worse than what we're going through right now like that kind of thing yep and Right. And like, I, I just feel like this is a very slippery slope of depression <laughs> that you can enter uh, yeah. doing that kind of exercise. But uh, yeah, but no, it's very interesting to hear uh, someone look at a 20 year old game through the, the lens of 2020. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty well. How's it how's it perform? Like what you're playing on PC? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing on PC. And uh, because it was an old Unreal Engine game, mm. it's very easy to get modded. Yeah. Uh, so I'm running ultra wide 21 by nine screen. And you just go into the INI file and then you custom set the resolution and you custom set the FOV and there's like texture and lighting mods that you add to it. So not, it doesn't look like a modern game, but it looks clean. And the the fact that you can modify and play with it like that, it, it makes it uh, a lot easier on the eyes. Uh, I always enjoyed that game's atmosphere. That's, that's the number one thing to me is it's, it's a very, it all takes place at night. It's dark as hell. Like it's Mm. just, it's just a very like dark lighted game, but uh, and it can obscure a lot of those blemishes in a very old engine. But it has such a strong sense of like not just the neon lights, uh, but the way the characters are designed, even though they're like super old ass character models, and also the music and the ambient sounds are. It's it really it it nails a certain type of atmosphere that I associate with cyberpunk so much uh, because. This could just be the marketing. I'm, I'm Jake's going to get into this, of course, in much greater detail with ty- Cyberpunk 2077. But in a way, I think uh, Erica Arahak had kind of, I can't remember if it was her that coined the term her, cyber pop. I, I've seen her threads. Her threads on uh, cyberpunk as a genre are really fascinating. I don't know yeah. about cyber pop specifically, but okay. yeah. Yeah, but I, I came across that term for her, uh, from her and it's kind of like the celebration or the the embracing of the cool looking things of cyberpunk cyberpunk without the critical analysis i'm not saying that 2077 is going to ignore that because we haven't i haven't played the game it's a 100 hour game uh but it's not out uh, yet too <laughs> it's not out yet <laughs> uh but i am expecting that because this it's using the cyberpunk name and cyberpunk as a genre as a concept is rooted in dystopian like life and sure. the, the oppression of capitalistic systems i mean I, I will say just just to cut in like i did play some cyberpunk but this is not based on what i played but like you could say the same things about fantasy in a sense and see project red did a very good job of deconstructing that genre with the witcher games Witcher three yeah yeah um, witcher, yeah. so i i personally have faith that they'll yeah. be capable of doing that uh but once again like i Played about four hours. I did not get much of the writing considering how big that game is. I mostly uh-huh. just messed around, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. yeah so I, the, <laughs> the one thing I do want to point out too is that the Cyberpunk name for 2077 comes from Cyberpunk 2020. So specifically, it is Mike Pondsmith's universe of Cyberpunk. Right. So I think there's going to be people conflating 
cyberpunk as it originated with Mike Pondsmith with cyberpunk as an overall genre and how it's evolved. Mm. Um, so there's, I think there's going to be an interesting dynamic there because, you know, like Jake said, they could take it, they could deconstruct the genre or they could take it in a direction that's different. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the game from what the, the marketing we've seen, like the, the random Japanese and like that, the neon and that kind of like the, the, the aggressive, yeah, the aggressive Latino character that's been front and center. <laughs> uh, I was like, all right, all right. I, I see what y'all what y'all think of brown people, but uh. but uh, I, yeah, I do think there's something to be said for this game because Mike Pondsmith himself is specifically involved as a consultant on the game. So I think there's a, a bit of a, a complicated like mm-hmm. two versions of the word cyberpunk thing going. Yeah, on. yeah. And, and before, yeah, last thing I'll cyberpunk. Yeah, we gotta before let we Jeff get too talk. deep into the cyberpunk, I do want to hear what Hard Space Shipbreaker is. Yeah, that's tough to that's a tough act to follow. Oh my god. Um no, um so have you guys talked about it or seen it or what what, what do you know about This no is the idea. first time I'm seeing this title okay. actually. This game I got turned on to it uh uh having um someone on the Beastcast talk about it last week. It is very much uh like uh Man, it is like this weird sort of like cowboy astronaut, like minor simulator where you uh, you play as someone. It's you know obviously very far into the future and you play as someone who is basically dismantling and cashing in the scrap of like disused spacecrafts and whatnot that is just sort of floating in orbit outside of Earth. Um I only got to play for a few hours, but it definitely has this sort of like, you know, almost like freelance, you know, for hire, like Western cowboy person, just but in space where you're like just trying to get some sheep in a in a barn. But instead, you're you're, you're just trying to get some like metal into like this, you know, uh, uh, sort of like. I can't even describe what they do. You basically like capture these pieces of, of, of junk and you throw them into this, uh, this receptacle in, in space that's sort of orbiting earth. Um, It is a very like, it is so uh, I don't want to say painfully, but it's like very specific to like, you know, understanding how like constructions are made and and playing a lot around with physics because you're constantly uh, floating in this game, as you would imagine, you have all these thrusters that allow you to to move pretty independently, but like with a very floaty, long leash kind of like I've, I'm in a vacuum and I can't really do anything precise because I'm constantly <laughs> moving around like an idiot. Um, it's fun though. There is a certain uh, attention to detail in it that I find super satisfying, um, and yeah, it's just a real. For me, like it, it, it reminded me of Outer Wilds a little bit because there's a there's something about Outer Wilds that is horrifying. Like I feel like people didn't spend enough time talking about just how fucking scary that game is. Because for whatever, I mean, like I maybe it's a personal phobia, but just like the ocean at night, the endless endlessness of space, just things that like have no finite kind of end that you can foresee, like give me a great deal of horror and um and this game kind of like leans into that a little bit as well and i i just find it as horrifying as that is i also find it 
to be this very real escape from from kind of everything and it's it's very easy to kind of get lost in and you take on these new sort of missions where you're you know you're tasked to to basically you have this like laser gun that sort of cuts through steel and melts joints and whatnot it's a lot of fun um and i know and i've i've wanted to give it a lot more time but uh it's something that i'm definitely gonna like dig into this weekend for sure um so i am very much up to my uh up to my uh my shins in that for sure <laughs> so so is it like a i guess third person sort of style game it's or? first person it's first person oh. it's first person which i i was worried at first because i was like oh i'm gonna throw up playing this game but yeah. um yeah. but no it, it kind of like i think a lot of the floatiness is is grounding in a way uh if that makes sense where you do seem to have you know once you kind of wrap your head wrap your head around the the basic kind of like the amount of give and take that you can perform with the controls i thought i was going to play it's a, a pc game i thought i was going to be mouse and keyboard with this thing but i found myself after like a half hour i was like i got to try a controller on this one and once i started playing with the controller i was i was much more you know um you know, had my, my sort of wits with what I could do with this game. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a little wonky. It's in early access. Uh, I have had a couple, not crashes, but like situations where I had to just like all tab and come back in and, and get my controller kind of working again. Um, but it does perform pretty well for the most part. And I think, uh, you know, it is as, as finished as you can hope an early access game to be. So, um, so yeah, I'm definitely digging it for sure. Cool. That sounds that sounds awesome. It what what I guess stood out to me what you just said was how like it's kind of chilling like Outer Wilds is, which mm. is something that I definitely got to. There's something I don't know, like kind of numbing but terrifying about being on a planet as you see your ship fly away and you're like, "Well, yeah. I'm stuck here until I die." And then you just kind of wait it out and like that I don't know, that feeling was so unique. Uh, totally. and it's something that's like really interesting to see developers explore. Yeah. In Outer Wilds, like there were so many times where I was just like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just like not like, like losing your point of view and, and not having like a horizon to look at. And you're sort of just like, you know, flailing and, and sort of and tumbling in, in space. And you're just like, am I, am I still in this game? Like what, what has happened? Am I going to be okay? And then like, you look around as like some sort of like gigantic piranha or like something. Yeah. There was a lot of moments in that game where I just, I was just like, I need to turn the lights on and really (laughs) step away for a second. But um, the, the horror is not so much there in, in, in this one. It's just more of like, that really odd feeling of like looking down at your planet and also at the same time, just chilling in space, which I don't know how astronauts actually do that to me. I think like when I was a kid, everyone was like, Oh, you want to be an astronaut? We were like, no, that sounds fucking terrifying. Are you kidding me? I, I, I they lose me at motion sickness. I would yeah. not be able to handle that shit. It's, ins- it's just, it, it is totally a, a wild thing, but yeah, I'm digging it. Um, and I have actually, I didn't put it here in our rundown, but I did also dive a little into that Mafia remaster, um, okay. specifically Mafia 2, because that was a game I played right as I was sort of getting into um, 
my career and it was like one of the first events that i attended in new york and it was like this really cool you know introduction to the game and um it's a really good remaster it's not just like a i mean you know it could be like a retexturing sort of thing i don't remember much of the first game i just remember you know picture what was that 20 10 maybe 2008 somewhere around i think Mario 2 is 2010 okay so you've got like sopranos fresh in a lot of people's minds and like this game definitely leans into that in a major way but um but yeah it's you know it's i it's it's sort of kind of dumb fun i guess Mm -hmm. um and you know i don't see myself kind of playing through it all the way through again but um it was definitely cool to kind of jump back into that and see that this remaster for sure like feels like it it holds up um i didn't play the first mafia i don't know if i have the desire to like check out what that was all about but apparently it's tough to go back to today hey um, the first it mafia, was yeah. it was tough to play in 2000 yeah. i played it in 2006 or 2005 oh, yeah. and that game was only like four years old at the time and that game was it was it's very good mm. it had it was it was in many ways it was ahead of its time even in the time I played in 2006, in many ways, it was behind the times. Uh, like f- like graphically, cinematically, story-wise, uh, the, the story beats and what they made you do, uh, tying narrative to gameplay aspects was like, wow, that game was amazing. But the shooting, the actual action and the driving, the things you had to do with the controls was fucking wild <laughs> i'm hard. excited to see what they do with the remaster for the uh-huh. original that's supposed to come out what august or something yeah. but yeah i mafia 2 is a game that i want to check out or i want to check out the remaster too because i remember when that came out i thought that game was excellent and i didn't mm-hmm. i don't remember a lot of people talking about it like i thought the story was really good i really like the weird attention to detail like i remember yeah. you go back to your apartment and you just like you'd like i don't know call someone on the phone or like drink a beer and hang out as you wait for before you like turn in for the night and begin the next chapter of the game. I don't know if that game holds up though. So it's like good hearing that because it's a game that I definitely want to check out again to see if it matches how I felt and you know, whenever the hell I played it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember, oh man, you know how like all the, the PR pitches go, but I remember they, the people who, who were talking about the game were just talking, they were like, Oh, I forget the the main character's name, but like you go back to your apartment and like you know you just you just smoke a cigarette and you sit down and yeah, (laughs) and it was like, what are we going for here, man? (laughs) Okay, all right, that okay, sure, why not? Um, But yeah, it's I I I in the couple hours I've I've played, I've definitely found fun in it, so for sure, yeah. Uh, Was it is it James O'Connor who has a piece on Gamespot.com, Callie? That. He uh, he revisited it and did some sort of analysis about how it holds up uh, today. Right so yeah, so uh, it's it's partially about yeah how does it run and it's partially about how is it going back to this game. Have to check that out. So, that's yeah. on that's on what GameSpot GameStop GameStop <laughs> GameStop. Shit, All I right, <laughs> I have to check that out. Pre-order that shit, baby. <laughs> uh, All right. I mean, I guess. It's time to talk about cyberpunk (laughs) yeah you have to i know uh so i played i got to play four hours of it over nvidia now which is a game streaming thing which actually ran pretty well um it was interesting using all that stuff i don't think many people care about that but i thought it was pretty interesting how would you would you uh was it like a shield or how did you play it 
So they had me download NVIDIA now, and then they had me connect. No, actually, I don't even think I connected their PC. I logged in to their account and was basically able to run the game, stream the game from my PC at home. Via the cloud, right? Yeah. And and we should add the context that this was in lieu of a hands-on preview event where you physically go and play the game because of the pandemic. This is their solution, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was impressed. Like, I... There, there was almost no latency, at least not that I could notice. And it looked pretty well. Like, sure, if you look close enough, you can see compression because yeah. moving that kind of data from one PC in Poland all the way to mine is, <laughs> you know, that, that's going to cause some issues. But, like, overall, it was incredibly smooth. It, it was also my first experience with, like, game streaming because I haven't really done that before. Uh, that is I, super interesting because, like, I mean, they can run it on whatever they want. Mm-hmm. and just stream you the you know the video that's like that's what it is right like yeah. you just got the video version um are you sure it was going overseas or did there was nothing that they were doing in the states like were they like so the, the people I, were, I was talking to were in poland maybe they had like data centers in the united mm. states like i guess i guess they've got a they have a los angeles office so maybe someone was out of there but yeah. uh regardless like i was surprised that how well it ran. However, I will say like they sent us B-roll too. And I looked over the B-roll and I was like, yeah, I can't wait until I can run this off my hardware itself (laughs) because it's going to look much, much, much cleaner. Uh, But I mean, like, I guess my like high level thoughts are that this game seems like a first person GTA in a cyberpunk setting with way more RPG mechanics and and like the way you can develop your character in more interesting ways than you would in a GTA game. Uh, but like almost to the point where it would be like, all right, I can hijack cars. I can drive around the city. I can get in trouble. Like at one point I, I just wanted to see what happened. So I walked up to a cop and stabbed him with a knife and like, I got warrants out on my arrest. This, uh, the, the, this courtyard went into absolute chaos. People were running around and it, it was just like, okay, this is what happens in GTA when you do this kind of stuff. They said they're still tweaking how exactly the the uh, the, the the wanted system is going to work in the final release. So I don't want to talk too much about that. But like just that initial response after I got through the prologue and just walked up to a cop who was I don't know talking to some street punk, and I was just like, stab. And then, <laughs> God damn. yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, you know, I, I gotta I gotta push it to the limit, see what happens. Um, it, it, yeah, like, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Like you it was choose. four hours and it felt like nothing. I guess I can start with the character creator. Yeah, I guess that's um, what I'm curious about. Cause you can customize pubic hair. Hell yeah. That's what, I'm that's saying. what the people want to know. <laughs> I didn't do it. Cause I didn't want to spend time in the yeah. character creator, but what like is, I was just I scrolling question. through. What is that labeled as? Is it just pubic hair or is it like, like Merkin? situation it's just pubic oh, okay. hair okay and i actually like, think like, it may have just been color too i don't even think it was <laughs> yeah because i was thinking like so are you putting pattern. braids in it like what are you that'd be dope you know oh, what are you man. doing are you are you like putting so wait, a little heart so they show like <laughs> junk so uh, they didn't or they, they showed like like was breasts. it mosaiced out okay no no, no they, they showed but they were wearing underwear the character was wearing underwear so i was like I don't know. Maybe if I clicked into that option, I, I, I don't even know if I want. To well, that implies that you that you will see your character naked in the game. Probably, 
I'd yeah. imagine so. Yeah, because there's sex point. in the game. There is sex. Oh, there's Ooh, fucking. I didn't know there's, there's fucking. fucking. There's wow, fucking. that's what's up. Hot oh, coffee and, mods. And you have like a kind of like GTA too. I hate. I don't want to keep comparing it to GTA, but you have a phone. Not. I don't know what they call it inside. Oh, just phone. like Animal Crossing. Just like Animal Crossing. Too, yeah. <laughs> Same game. You, you have a device where people can send you messages. And this is a good way to pick up quests. Like a lot of people, a lot of the texts I got were just like, hey, uh, you should check this thing out because so-and-so is really mad about this thing or this thing shook out. Maybe you can maybe you can find some work from here and you could just track quests right from there. So that was like one way you could pick up quests. But they've also said previously that uh, like relationships are going to be a big deal in this game. So I imagine that will ha- play a big role in that. Um, I'm, I'm speculating on that part. Um, are you but, expecting like I'm gonna get a text that's like send nudes? I mean, I don't know. Didn't they say they were gonna like we're gonna have like adult relationships in this game <laughs> or send dudes in case you need backup? Send dudes, yeah. <laughs> send dudes. <laughs> send dudes. Um, but like, I didn't do much character creation because I was worried about the time, except for the skills. And when you start the game, you get to invest seven points into five different skills, which I think are like strength or no body reflex technology uh intelligence and cool that was six was that six no i just miscounted that was five um (laughs) and depending on what perk or what attribute you invest in that unlocks a different set of perks for when you start now they've talked about this like fluid class system which I don't know. I did a video on it or I'm, I have a video that's going to be up on it by the time this goes up and that I didn't use that word because it sounded kind of PR-y and I was like, I don't, don't want to use that. But sure, yeah. basically what the idea behind that is, is that you're very able to like kind of shift course pretty quickly. Like you don't need to just be a net runner or a hacker or a, a muscle or anything like that. Like you can kind of pick and choose perks from different attribute skill trees, uh, to make your character like I played I was going to play more as a net runner but I quickly realized that I was a bad I was a really bad net runner so I started investing more into like firearm and stealth to kind of back up my net running ability so when I fucked up which you know happened almost every encounter I did uh, I was able to you know handle a gun properly and hit people with uh, knives and and and, uh, and and lead pipes because I had a lead pipe that I was using a lot what made you a bad netrunner? Is the skills you had unlocked or like you specifically, your ability to do it? So I, I think it was because, I think it was partly because I didn't have a lot of skills and partly because I would just get spotted or I would fail the hack and someone would notice it and they'd run up to me and, you know, want to fight. Uh, but when I did pull it off, it was pretty satisfying because it was like early on, they they do like a... a um, a tutorial where you can hack a dude and then get him to kind of, I don't know, you hack whatever, I don't know, electronics he's got built into him. And then another guard came over and then you can hack the grenade he's got. So he blows up and kills them both. And like that stuff was pretty satisfying. I only got to try that out once when I actually went into the world. Like the only ability I really had was to hack and distract other guards. Um, but like the hacking itself seemed pretty fun. Like the little mini game you do when you're about to hack, I had a lot of fun doing. I don't know if that'll get tiring over, mm. you know, dozens, if not a hundred hours. So I, I just feel like this is a very tough game to like sample, right? To demo. Yeah, totally. Um, like how did they, 
like how did they like give you you know like what kind of slice of this did you see is what i'm really curious about like did they did they just say like okay you've got four hours with like three missions to like start like how how did that play out so i was actually pretty surprised because they they were like, all right, you can do whatever you want in this game. We're going to start you at the beginning. Here's the story we recommend you do, but you don't have to do that. So I didn't do any of the story stuff other than like the stuff that the game fed me right into. Um, Cause those missions they were showing mostly had already been seen. So mm-hmm. I just explored the world and messed around for four hours. There was no like segmented areas. There were like, like they, they pretty much just let me do whatever I want, which was interesting. I mean, I think it, I feel like very rarely developers let you do that. Most of the time they're like, here's a very specific part that we want you to play. And I think it does show a level of confidence that they have with this game to allow me to do whatever I want. Cause I asked multiple times, I was like, are you sure you don't mind if I just mess around? They're like, nah, go for it. So I just explored the world mostly uh, and did like incidental quests as they showed up, but I didn't, did not do much of the story. Um, Did you see Keanu? I didn't see Keanu. Apparently oh, I asked him and I was like, God. all right, so did I make a mistake? If I did the story, would I have seen Keanu? And they're like, nah, you wouldn't have seen Keanu. And I was like, all right, good. I don't, I don't. Still, <laughs> I do. So Tamor did see some story stuff um, and mm-hmm. he has a written preview up that you can read. And he talks a little bit about one quest that gives him like, it's like a really good sign for him. I, I don't want to paraphrase too much, but I would encourage you to read it. But it, talking about like, the strength of CD Projekt Red being able to inject humanity into its mm-hmm. worlds and how at first Tamor was not seeing that because of the kind of like bleakness of... It's very edgy too. Like the main the, quest is like very, almost too, not too edgy, but like at times I'm like, all right, I get it. V's like this angry badass and Jackie likes to cuss a lot. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> which I hated from the preview stuff. I really did not like the the edgy part of that. But uh, Tamora talked about a side quest that he did called Losing My Religion, um, like the song, I guess. Um, that you, you should just read his description. I really don't want to like paraphrase it and, and screw it up, but it, it was really promising and it made me really excited. Yeah, so the quest you're talking about uh, is, or that he talked about is one about a, I think it's a, I think it's a monk who it's against his religion to have any cybernetic implants, but gang, like some, some gang kidnapped him and is, are forcing implants on him. Uh, and I think you have to rescue him. I didn't play this mission, but he described it to me, but it sounds pretty interesting. Like it sounds like a CD Projekt Red quest, if that makes sense. Like I've said it many times, but like, the best part of The Witcher 3 are all of the side quests, all the side quests, all the monster yeah. hunts, because all that stuff is, they just feel like short, the short stories that the game was based on, where you're introduced to interesting characters. Uh, there's there's an issue, usually it's like a monster that's attacking a town, and then you investigate more and learn that it's not just a monster. Like, there's something that happened along the way, like the the, the townspeople curse something and they're always like very human stories um which personally has always been my favorite part of the witcher so that doesn't surprise me what tomorrow is talking about because for me personally i bet a lot of those more human stories are going to come out in the side quest once again this is speculation um but that's kind of what i'm most looking forward to 
Um, but like I said, like based on what I played, I didn't get to see a lot of those kind of quests. So I just more focused, I'm more focused on exploring night city and I like got lost in that almost instantly. <laughs> like there's so like, just like the Witcher three, even like the Witcher three turned up to 11. The attention to detail is, is absurd. Like I like everything, like it's so hard to just drive through areas because there are so many things jumping out at you that look interesting. And it's not even like things popping up on your map necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's just like things you see that's like, Oh, I want to explore that. So constantly, I'm sure the guy who was uh, helping me, Max Pierce, one of the level designers who was like kind of guiding me through was getting frustrated because I drive like two inches <laughs> and get out of my car and be like, All right, I gotta <laughs> check out this. And I just like see an alley and I check out the alley and all of a sudden the alley would open up into this market, this like packed marketplace with all these characters wandering around and I'd, and I'd hear him talking and, and I walked into one and there was this like, I don't know, sidewalk preacher who was going off about how this generation is ruined because all of the cybernetic implants are destroying people's lives and how the next generation can possibly save it. And I was sitting there watching him just like, all right, I kind of want to see what this guy has to say. And these two, these two girl NPCs walked up and they're like, yeah, this is the guy, this is the guy. And they pulled out their phones and started taking selfies with them. And they're like, yeah, this guy's so crazy and just kept going. And I was like, holy shit. Like just like just out of nowhere, this random stuff happens. Cause I was, I don't know, curious to see what this guy was on about. That's cool. I want to play this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What about like the, 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 the moment to moment, like gameplay in when there's hostilities being presented to you? Because when I watch this, I think of it as like a super refined deus ex mankind divided type of thing, but that's a lot more fluid and has better gunplay uh, with love, a bunch of more variables at play. Like, is it, is it that? Yeah, I mean, once again, like only playing the first four hours, I feel like I didn't really have oh. a good opportunity to sample all the different abilities. But in terms of the gunplay itself, it seemed pretty good. Uh, yeah. Like it wasn't like I imagine a lot of people with because people have crazy expectations for this game. And I'm sure they're going in and expe expecting like Destiny or Call of Duty level of shooting. But it's definitely not at that. Like right. there is a very generous uh, aim assist which I think is there to kind of mitigate how the the aiming isn't as precise as as you know people might expect. This is this is a work in progress build so that could change, but based on what I played, the aiming seemed like it, it was good. Like I didn't have any complaints with it, but it definitely doesn't have that responsiveness that something like uh Call of Duty or Active or uh, uh Destiny is is known for. Um, yeah, I, plus you're I, streaming it. It's tough to know, you know. That's the other big thing too. And yeah. they didn't want us to play mouse and keyboard. They wanted us to use. Oh, that's pads, interesting. So oh, I don't know yeah. if mouse and keyboard would feel better. Uh, hmm. So I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. But I will say, like based on what I played, the shooting didn't quite feel as good as something like Destiny or Call of Duty. But it felt good enough. Like it, it definitely felt better than uh, Deus Ex. Was the last one mankind divided mankind, yeah. on on console? I didn't play on PC, but I played on console, and I sure. remember the the the, the gunplay map was not bad, yeah, but it was is, it was tough. It, it yeah. was tough to get used to. It's definitely, but, it's definitely not the focus of that game, and yeah. it's, it seems like that's not the focus of of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Not that I was expecting it to be that. Uh, right. So yeah, I mean, because they do have a bunch of like they like they were telling me there's all these different 
approaches you can take to these different scenarios. Like I was saying, most of the time I tried not to shoot people. I was trying to hack in and, mm-hmm. and do stealth takedowns and stuff like that. Uh, but I mostly failed because I, I was just bad at it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so very often it would turn into a gunfight. Uh, but one thing you can do is that for stealth takedowns, you can do, you can kill them or you can do non-lethal takedowns. Um, so you can, I guess, in theory, play through the game without killing anyone. I don't know if that means anything, like what's the difference if I kill a guy or knock him out? Like, is there going to be repercussions if I kill a guy instead of knocking him out? Are they going to come back for me? I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. That's, Um, that's like stuff that you have to, after like 10, 15 hours, then it'll show. Cause that's, that's the thing (laughs) about Witcher three also, which is how the unforeseen consequences unfold when you least expect it. And like, it happens anywhere down the line, 20, 25 mm-hmm. hours or whatever. So that, that's the true like beauty of that, of the CD project, right? Mm. I guess. Yeah. What's interesting though, what they're trying to do is like, I feel like the decisions you made in the Witcher were all based in dialogue situations while they're really trying mm-hmm. to let people know that the decisions you make in dialogue, in dialogue situations are important, but a big thing is also the decisions you make in gameplay and how that could affect you. I, I imagine, like like I said, I only messed around and did these like side events. I feel like me killing or knocking people out probably isn't going to matter too much in the grand scheme of things. I imagine that's more saved for uh, actual like story missions where you might be, where the people you're supposed to be killing or neutralizing might be questionable about whether they're good or bad. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's a lot like four hours with that game is a lot, but it's also nothing. It's also, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, I, because there's so much I still can't speak to. I just tried to do as much as I could. And <laughs> oh. a lot of it was just getting lost in this in this world, which, you know, I mean, definitely worked. Like, I could see myself spending a lot of time just exploring nooks and crannies of that world. It's also very, I don't want to say overwhelming, but like, you walk into certain areas and there's music blaring, there's lights flashing, there's, there's the crowds are always very big. There's always lots mm-hmm. of people walking around that it, it, it feels very claustrophobic, which is, you know, very different from the Witcher uh, where you've got these wide yeah. open areas, except for Novigrad, I guess, which was more condensed. Man, what do you, what do you, so what do you guys think about like the, uh, not to derail the conversation, but I mean, do you think now with the timing of this delay, like this is being conditioned into this sort of like next gen launch title kind of thing? So I think I can actually speak to this because when oh I played great, the game, so fig good because uh, it was yeah. it was it was buggy. Um, I, like obviously, you know that's something that they they said would be worked out when launch, and we just kind of sure. have to take them on their word for that, but. I originally I was like I could see maybe they delayed it just so it would kind of line up more with next gen consoles right having played it I could be both though right it could be both but having played it and like I ran into a good number of bugs I I'm expecting that they are probably taking that time to iron out more bugs like there was one scene where I was trying to pet a cat and the cat just fucking shot away from me as I was petting (laughs) it like (laughs) disappeared uh i like clipped into a truck one time because i was driving too fast and my car just got stuck in the truck uh so anyway my internet died uh so we are (laughs) we are back we had a little bit of a delay 
Uh, right when I mentioned glitches, the internet just shut down. I think maybe CD Projekt Red is watching somehow. You never know. Um, that but, would be but, very cyberpunk. I know. So. But, but anyway, like I did see a good number of glitches as I was playing. And like I said, it's, it's not something I want to dwell on because they had said they're going to work this stuff out. And, you know, they recently delayed it. Uh, so all we can kind of do right now is just you know, have faith that those issues will be worked out. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, this game, this game is so big that in a way you expect there to be bugs as long as sure. it doesn't break the game, right? So yeah, you know, it, if I see like a... It's far less like, I don't want to say focus because that sounds like this not being focused would be a negative, but mm-hmm. it's not as, I guess... Consequential? You know, it, yeah, I mean, The Witcher 3 definitely isn't as consequential as this because, like, you couldn't just go to a town and start killing people because that didn't really fit with Geralt's character. So they right. didn't really need to account for that kind of stuff. And you were playing as Geralt. So, like, sure, you kind of customize Geralt in different but ways. But he is who he is. But mm-hmm. it's still Geralt. You're still swinging your sword at things and casting, like, light spells. Well, with this, you create your own character. You have different starting points, which I guess is something worth talking about. And... Mm-hmm the way you play is dramatically different. So I imagine bug squashing in a game like this is probably incredibly stressful, incredibly difficult and requires a lot of time. Yeah. I I don't even know how I'm going to go like anyone would go about, because I don't know who's going to review the game for us yet. Um, It's a little too far out to have that locked down, but just the concept of reviewing it to me is so stressful because it's like, you can only, you, you, we'll probably only have enough time to see like one playthrough each right before the the embargo will lift. This is all hypothetical just based mm-hmm. on how reviewing games works. But like, I imagine it's just going to be like, well, I played uh, this way. So I have no idea about all these permutations. Like it just seems so overwhelmingly big and yeah, like just the expansive, like just, it's it intimidates me it excites me a lot um i don't know if you did any of the brain dances so Jake, but that was something that sounded really cool apparently tamor did because it happens in the story and you get a walk through i didn't i didn't see uh, well i didn't play any of it i did see some of it because the b-roll they sent us had footage of the brain dances which or the the brain dance which was pretty cool which it's basically just like a virtual reality thing except you can manipulate the environment more and explore and uh like I don't know. It, it was like a detective mode in VR, more or less. Which is um, like, Tamora was like, detective shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, detective shit, like messaging him like, that sounds so cool. But um, It's definitely what it felt like, because yeah. there was a character who's like, handing another character a gun, and then you paused it and zoomed in on the gun and like scanned it and got the information about the gun. And they're like, oh, this is... This was this is a this kind of model, and it means that this character probably got it from here. Uh, it was all kind of scripted in this situation they showed, but still, it was just it was cool seeing that. Um, but I think the other last big thing I do want to talk about are the three different life paths you can pick at the beginning, which, from what we saw, dictates how the game starts. So I picked Nomad, and you start outside of Night City in the desert, uh, which was I thought was pretty cool. Um, to more picked street rat or street kid, which meant his character grew up in night city. And then I think Ed picked Corpo, which meant he was like a 
a big, I don't know, a big wig at a corporation or something like that who had a lot of influence and power. And the story still, like after you get through that, the story still kind of goes in the same direction from what we saw. But that setup is very different. Your relationship to Jackie is very different. Um, And it seems like there are narrative threads that the game will pull on depending on which origin you pick, which like you were just saying right now, like that's a lot of replay value. Yeah. Um, Just on that alone. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's intense. I'm curious too, to see what Jackie's character will be like, depending on what you pick. Cause there's one version. If you pick Corpo, you've known Jackie your whole life. If you pick the other two, you literally just meet him. Uh, for reference, Jackie's the guy who is the, the guy who is helping V out in a lot of the demos. Uh, and then the other thing too is that in last E3 they showed Jackie dying, in what it seemed like pretty early on. So I don't. I'm I'm curious to see what the deal is with his character and what changes depending on which life path you pick. I'm curious if there's like one version of Jackie that resonates with people more than other ones. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's cyberpunk. I don't know. That's all I got. Cyberpunk sound wild, man. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to play it myself. Like even like, even like what I said earlier and when I was talking about Deus Ex, like CD project red is I, it, from previews. Like when I saw it at uh, E3 last year, um it's like it, it it's almost it's too easy to say that they it looks like they put so much time and thought into it like because of course they did but it's 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 a lot and i do not envy anyone who's trying to analyze this game because experiences are going to be so different across the yeah. board like yeah. how can you account for maybe like some shit that someone else saw that said said gave a different very different message across mm-hmm. other players depending on your choices like that's such a hard thing to account for but yeah especially with like try not trying to give away too much and you know I, games like this like i i mean i realize it's not easy for you know a um a publisher to just be like here's here's 10 here's 100 copies and you know have your whole team you know take care of it but i do think something maybe on a smaller scale makes sense for a game like this where maybe you have three people you know play for as long as they can and kind of like you know have this like hybrid kind of conversation about it like for me you know um i i probably wind up having to do something with this game but like I would love to hear that kind of take from people, um, you know, from different media companies and, and how they, and outlets and how they perceive this game. Because again, like such a thin vertical slice of this seems like it's just this insurmountable thing to convey to, to, uh, to an audience. So yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Let's go. I, I think like, I don't know. I guess in a weird way, the most reassuring thing about it was that like actually playing it and realizing that, yeah, this is a video game. Like <laughs> it, it, like you you can take that in two ways, right? Like a lot of people may have seen the stuff at E3 is like smoke and mirrors. Like, okay, well that actually, like they might be questioning if that'll actually happen or not. And then you could take it the other way where people have like such absurd expectations about what this game's going to be and like what they can do. And like, I kind of had that, maybe not to the extent of a lot of people out there, but like actually playing it, it was like, 
okay, I know, I, I know what kind of game this is. I, I understand it much better than I did uh, a couple weeks ago when I was just kind of, I don't know, imagining what it could possibly be. Anyway, did you guys watch this Avengers stream? Because I think we should just skip it. <laughs> yeah, actually, can we? Yeah, I, I started I, to watch I it, it, and but... I was like, I don't know. I mean, it seemed interesting. I just don't know what to say yeah. about it. But y'all, y'all can go watch that. Uh, we have a ton of coverage on the site uh, for it. So if you want that information, it's out there. Yeah. However, there was the announcement of the Tencent Pokemon collab, the Pokemoba. Facts. Pokemon Unite, which I is interesting, I guess. I don't really have a lot <laughs> to say about it. I don't know anything about MOBAs. I, I'll be curious to play it. That's really all I got. I was not, I mean, I knew there was going to be a 10 cent collab. It's just not, I was just not prepared. I woke up at like 545, like bleary eyed, like, okay, I better watch this. And then it started to be a MOBA and I was like, okay. Back to bed. And I'm just staying, I'm going to stay in bed because my expertise is not needed here. There are yeah. MOBA experts who can handle this. League of Legendary Pokemon. Ah, that's what the there only the only pun I could come up with I'm, was I'm popping smokescreen. That's all I had <laughs> with my limited knowledge of MOBAs. All right, Sick. do we want to move on to questions? I got logged out of my email and I have to um, enter my Okta I can information. take a so, question. <laughs> yeah, do you want to read the first thing, <laughs> uh, This is from, oh, well, first of all, we should say that you can email us at abstractpodcast at gamespot.com. Or join our Discord, which you can join by emailing us at that address um, or DMing us on Twitter um, to ask us questions, chat. We have an awesome community on Discord. So um, this question is from Robert J on the Discord. Have you ever had to restart a game for any reason? I had to play through Golden Sun twice because I thought I locked myself from progressing further because I did not get a key item, which I just recently found out was not the case. Still had a blast with the game, though. (laughs) Oh, that's painful to hear. <laughs> I restart games all the time. I restart uh, any small mistake I make. I'm like, better restart. Like, I, oh, I do it less yeah. so now that I have time limits on how long I need to, like, spend playing a game um, or how long I have to spend to play uh, to finish a game. But um, I used to, like, like I've restarted KOTOR like no less than 20 times in my life. <laughs> like I just kept being like, I love specking characters. This is what scares me about cyberpunk. I'm just going to spend so much time specking my character. And then halfway through, I'm going to be like, shit, <laughs> what have I done? Um, so yeah, I, I, I do it by choice. I don't think I've ever restarted a game based on like a bug or a perceived bug. That wasn't a game that I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think same for me. I I don't think I've encountered game breaking bugs, thankfully, uh, or I've never like accidentally saved over. You know, one thing I do a lot in immersive sims is like bullshit around uh, and then reload. Uh, some sometimes I would get I got like really conscious of like okay, don't don't don't, don't save don't save it. So now what I do is I have thirty fucking save files uh, in my list, and then I hate it when games limit how many saves you can have. Yeah. Uh, I'm never going to go back to those saves. I know damn well I'm not, but I I want need that them. comfort. I need, I need that comfort. I, I actually um, found that I go back on saves quite a bit with this job because it's always like, capture. oh, I got to capture footage. I forgot to get footage of this. So it's so 
when there's only like three safe slots, it's like, well, better pick my three slots uh, sparingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've told this story before, but uh, Mass Effect 3, I played 70% of it at launch. And then I didn't touch it again until four years later uh, because I never wanted Mass Effect to end. And if I don't finish it, it doesn't end. That's so, true. Yeah. Uh, and then four years later, I'm like, fuck it. I got to do it. Uh, so I did it, but I, I just restarted the whole thing because uh, I needed to get that the whole experience all over again. And have, like I said before, the all the DLC had come out at that point. So I was like, I don't know why y'all tripping about the ending. It looks fine to me, but that's another discussion for another time. I feel like I, I've definitely done it a number of times. I don't think it's I think it's more like if I don't finish a game, like if I made it through 75% of a game and then a certain amount of time has passed, uh, say like a year or more, and I come back to it, I have to restart it. Yeah, it's, I have no idea what's going yeah. on. No idea. I have no idea. What am I What am I doing? What is this game? I have to restart it. The most recent example, which is not that exact situation, but um, after playing Red Dead 2 on PS4, I found I I I tried it out on I forget what the situation was where I I started playing it on Xbox One X mm-hmm. and I've definitely told the story before but I like couldn't believe how much better I thought the game looked on Xbox One X compared to PS4 Pro and to the point where I just started playing it again and then like forty hours later I was like I'm playing this again <laughs> and I'm playing it really kind of quickly. Um, and then when it came to PC, I like restarted it again on PC and I didn't, I haven't gotten anywhere, you know, as far as I did on, on one X, but there's something about that game that I just have no problem with, uh, with playing over and over. Cause it, I, you know, obviously the, the main storyline of uh, missions that you play through are, are mostly the same, but there is enough variety there where it's like even three months later it's like i you this feels different so uh so yeah that's definitely a thing for sure i mean i've definitely started like uh bloodborne over multiple times dark souls just because i'll get going with one build and i'll be like this isn't working and then i'll have to restart uh that's probably the biggest one that comes to mind yeah next question michael do you want to read the i think it's the last one right yeah Yeah. i love this question so much uh i could go on and on i can make a million video essays on it if i wanted to but uh we'll do that right now so (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh let's see what are some of your favorite instances of amazing songs and games that you love even more because of when or how it occurs in the game personal favorites Ludwig the Holy Blade from Bloodborne DLC because of how it changes during the fight. Life will change from Persona 5. It's one of mine. Uh, since it only plays when you're on your way to fight, uh, to fight a boss. I listen to both on their own, but with the added context, it makes those songs even more emotionally memorable. Splat Tim from Discord. I guess I should start off since I read the question. Oh my God. Go for it. Again? Uh, to, so for Persona 5, uh, I guess the most recent example is Persona 5 Royal. I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, when you approach the f- final boss, the final, final boss, the new boss in Royal, it doesn't play Life Will Change. It plays a song called I Believe. Uh, 
and it is the only time that song ever plays in the game and it is probably now my favorite song in all of the pantheon of persona 5's amazing soundtrack because it's it takes on a different because life will change has a an empowering vibe and like yeah, I want to fucking, I want to get up and like do some shit. I want to like, I want to fight. I'm, I'm then nothing can touch me. You feel invincible when you feel, uh, when you hear life is life will change uh, because of the context in which it's played. Uh, like you're on your way to whoop some ass. Uh, but the song, I believe it changes because it is the, it's written as a reflection of the past the hundred hours of the game. It is like walking you back through all the work that you put into actually like try and change the world. And like brought tears to my eyes, man. Uh, it's it's such an it's an it's empowering in a different way because it's like look how far we've come and we can't give up now. Uh, that uh, because you you know damn well you were about to fight one of the like the biggest boss fight in this hundred twenty hour JRPG that you love so much. Uh, so the context in which it's used and the only time it's used is very powerful. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say about Persona Five is rivers and desert. Because that is a boss theme that changes when you make it to the seventh boss in the game, and at that point, it, it's like it to me. It, it communicates like how tired the characters are because you've been through so much. You're just going through so much, and these you're fighting characters who are constantly, constantly abusing their power and all that. And it's just it becomes tiring for them to have to go through that process over and over again. Uh, but it, at that point, it's like the biggest boss fight, and that song is written in a way that communicates how tired it must be to keep fighting these fights and then but also kind of lifting you up in that moment um, persona 5 is just full of those things man uh and undertale too uh i won't go into ah, it that was mine okay That's so I'll, I'll yeah so i'll, I'll, I'll let it out to <laughs> you like the persona- only one i could think of i've been brainstorming this whole yeah. time <laughs> uh, there's a final fantasy 14 obviously there's a bunch there that i can talk about undertale i'll hand that over to cali persona 4 golden soundtracks are the are the thing that make me remember games so well because you will listen to those songs way after you have played them and you will remember exactly how you felt and what happened in those games so vividly. Uh, Most powerful thing in games, I would say. It's a good snapshot. Um, Yeah, Undertale just is is such a powerful example to me and I get so excited Um, and so emotional I think about Undertale. I really do think of it as like a masterpiece of a video game. And... um, specifically Megalovania and the the way that song weaves into how you do that boss fight, um, the rhythm of the music in that game like informs how you move within its like, it's not bullet help precisely, there's the way the combat interface is, like being in tune with the music is such a big part of navigating i mean that fight took me two weeks i played every single night for two weeks it is one of the hardest things i've ever done in any video game Mm -hmm. and um finishing it was like was unreal like an unrivaled experience so when i hear megalovania it's like all of that it's like those two weeks of like i had already done a pacifist run i'm doing my genocide run like that whole run is an emotional roller coaster and then you get to that final fight and then for to be stuck on it for two weeks and ha- and not know how the game ends or how that that run ends, um, that all comes flooding back when I hear that song. I would say so. That's the most powerful example, specifically with how this question is worded. 
I also really like the way music is used in Death Stranding in creating like this like lonely, like almost like I'm looking out the window on a road trip and I'm depressed kind of feeling. <laughs> and then um, I really like the music music choice in that game and uh i love hotline miami's music and that's another example of getting into the rhythm with the music really helps with the action um and i listen to the hotline miami soundtrack all the time especially if i'm like really trying to focus and like get shit done and it like puts me in a certain mood and finally uh halo's music um as a series makes me very emotional i'm not even exactly sure why but some of the like really epic tracks when you're like doing warthog runs or whatever, I'm just like, this is the best experience I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just love it. So yeah, those are, but Undertale I think is just a superb example, especially because it's so cohesive with how Toby Fox wrote that music. He made the game, he did have some help, but like you really feel how it all weaves together. And I do think of it as being um, especially when it was released unparalleled in the way it wove gameplay mechanics with story in such an expert way. Um, I guess for me, like I'll keep it short, but the one that comes to mind is far away. That song in red dead redemption, when you cross over mm. to Mexico. Uh, mm. I remember that moment. A lot of people talk about how cool that moment is, but that song too, in particular is just like, so perfect for what's happening and i and i even like would extend that to how red dead redemption 2 uses music i think it works really well like the song unshaken gives me chills Mm uh having you know finished that game a couple times and uh yeah like the the red dead music just the way all that plays out is really good and on top of that uh man last of us's music stands out too um both the first and the second I really like, uh, like, I mean, Last of Us 2 uses a Pearl Jam song. (laughs) Big Pearl Jam fan. So seeing that was like very exciting, but also it added so much more meaning to that song that originally wasn't there for me. I was surprised how much of a a lasting effect the the sort of like sad bastard covers uh, were in that game, like the take on me and everything. Yeah. Right? Like I... I, (laughs) I just that's I I don't know like I was I was like why am I why am I tearing up at this like what is going on like I <laughs> oh. I don't know like I just had this yeah I don't know I've been crying a lot with games I don't know I, I like, love I'm, that shit but like yeah, it's, it's a lot of things though that I, maybe it's like I don't know being I'm not a new dad but like I don't know it's yeah it's just coming to terms I guess with a lot of stuff but like yeah I would definitely echo. Uh, last of us two for sure i didn't want to uh, cut you off jake but like there's a lot of really good score stuff um you, you know um i forget who composed all the christopher nolan stuff for um for inception oh, yeah. but it's like i should know i listen to that soundtrack a lot <laughs> like there's so many of those like blah, like yeah. really yeah. effective like i i thought that was going to be a, a a cinematic like fad that would just sort of you know uh evaporate after a couple of years but like that shit is still super effective at yeah. conveying like this very uh, you know upsetting kind of tension uh but yeah oh if i could say one more thing please or, if anyone go else. for it uh, one more thing about Persona 5 is how I closed out my P5R review. 
uh, which is to me is why music is so powerful is that there's, there's a song called Sunset Bridge and it plays anytime characters have a revelation. I say this in my review uh, and it's kind of like, oh, it's this, this kind of calming but bittersweet moment where people realize that they like who they are, what their place is in the world. That song plays on the final day of the game when you have to say goodbye to everyone. And I had a very hard time listening to that song like, cause I love listening to that soundtrack just straight up. It's like, oh fuck, I'm just going to jam out. But I'd always skip that song because it, it hurts too much to listen Aww. to it because it reminded me of that moment when I had to say goodbye to all my friends on the final day of that game. Uh, and it did it fucking again in uh, persona five Royal. And I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. It's, it's such a, it's such a like well-composed song. And it, it just, I say it's better, bittersweet. There's no words to it. There's nothing that's being said to you, but the instrumentation does all the communicating for that and it is one of the one of the most like the, it is one of my most memorable moments probably my most memorable moment playing a game is like when that shit hit me I'm like oh fuck this is my moment this is my revelatory moment and realizing my role in this game so that's the power of music bro M- music does it more i think for me personally than than any other kind of like visual thing um like even in like the evil with like Claire de Lune is one of my favorite pieces of music and mm. the, you know, those like checkpointy parts in, in the evil within with the mirror and they play that, uh, that, that piece. And it's just like, I don't know what it is, but I am such a sucker for that, for that, um, you know, arrangement. It's just like, if that's playing, you have my attention yeah. and whatever you're doing is important, <laughs> you know? Did you play Sayonara Wild Hearts? Because the first level in that game is uh, Claire de Lune. Oh, no, I have not played that. I, I didn't love the game, but there is one song in particular that I just absolutely adored in the way that level, it, there's like this crescendo to it. That, um, and and I, I wanted to bring up more of a rhythm music game because we didn't really talk about those because I think maybe it's that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But Claire de Lune just reminded me. I love Claire de Lune. I love it. It's awesome. Well, I think that's episode 47 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for joining. Uh, and thank you, Jeff, for, I know it's I know it's a bit later for you, but we appreciate it's it. It's been fun. It's all good. Thank you so much for having me and let me spend time with uh, everybody. This was a lot of fun for sure. Of course. Yeah. This is great. It's a great <laughs> episode. Um, if you've got any questions for us, you can send them to afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com uh, or you can join the Discord and you can just DM us on Twitter or email us, email that email and we'll get you in the Discord and you can ask questions there. Uh, Michael, quickly got anything you're working on this week that you want to uh, know about? I, shit. Um, where I, where I, people doing- can follow you? I'm doing a lot of stuff that's uh, under embargo at the moment, uh, so I can't talk about that. But I've been doing a shit ton of play for all interviews, and you can. Uh, uh, everyone's been putting in so much work for play for all. We got a lot of stuff go, uh, up now, and we have a lot of stuff planned for the future. So check all that stuff out. Uh, but if you want to find me, you can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter. Oh boy, my timeline is fucking wild. You want games? You want political discourse? <laughs> you want? emo shit i want all that you want all of it you know what you're signing i feel bad for the people who follow me but i love y'all appreciate y'all um for me there's just a bunch of cyber stuff cyberpunk stuff that's probably already up by now um in fact it should be by now 
So check that stuff out. And there's more stuff coming out over the weekend. Uh, yeah. Where to Kelly? follow you? Oh, at Jacob Deck. Uh, Kelly, how about you? Uh, if you want to see a spicy Twitter timeline, do I have the Twitter account for you? You can follow me on Twitter at Inkydojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. I've been going hard, um, but I, I'm doing I'm doing good. And as always, I would humbly request that you read GameSpot's reviews as um, that is, I'm kind of on my own island. I haven't done a lot of play for all stuff. Um, I don't really have a lot besides The Last of Us. If you're finishing The Last of Us, it would mean a lot to me if you checked out the spoiler review. Um, I put a lot of work into that and I am in our spoiler chat where we talk about our interpretation of the ending. Um, so we have a lot of uh, a Last of Us stuff that, that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm just, um, I'm now on on to Pokemon, I suppose, and, and on and word enough from there. <laughs> Back on your bullshit. Yeah. Uh, what are you, Jeff? My Twitter's not as spicy, but I have a five-year-old talking about bug snacks. So if you're into that, <laughs> that's what oh, I'm going to It's very good. <laughs> um, my, uh, my Twitter handle is at Jeff Bagelar. Um, yeah, and if you are interested in the wonderful world of pinball, uh, you can follow me. And I try and stream a couple times a month. Uh, so I would love for you to join me if that's something you'd be interested in and, um, yeah, check out the, uh, the giant beast cast if, uh, you have not already. And that goes up, uh, wow. We do it live. So it's just up after it's live now. So it's like Thursday. What is that? Like Thursday afternoons on the uh, Eastern time. So yeah, I remember waking up, waking up Friday mornings, new beast cast. Let's go. Uh, you guys are wonderful. I love the Beastcast, one of my Thanks, favorite podcasts, man. man. I appreciate you, that. Vinny, Abby, Alex are wonderful people. That uh, look, it's not true for all of us, but yes, I for the most part, <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, Vinny is our, our podcast dad, he has a very comforting uh presence, so and I appreciate that for sure. He's just you walk into his house and it's just the microphones and mixers everywhere. He's just and woodwork. Grand- and, and Woodwork, he is Grandpa Podcast, for sure. Ham, ham radios. <laughs> anyway, that's episode 47. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>